Hello everyone, it's Friday. Are you down the pub? One o'clock. If you were, I wouldn't blame you. But if you're in the office, we'll try and have a bit of fun. Don't worry about it. I'm sober as a judge. Any visuals, 2D, 3D, web design, graphic design. I love it all. Friday. Hello everyone, it's Friday, it's that time, you know, what better chance to get to doss around on LinkedIn with me. But I've got something jam-packed and really interesting because we're not going to just doss around actually, we're going to learn something really interesting. I, years ago, loved graphic design. It's something that I studied at college, and it's a massive part of architecture. I think so. Whether it's web design, graphic design, could be on street signs, could be the brochures, could be, I don't know, the design and access statement. There's so much stuff that it all kind of trickles into. But now, you don't want to hear that from me. I've got, actually, an expert who's trained as an architect, because I'm just a part two, but more importantly as well, is doing it in the industry. So on that note, I've got Adam Tarasevich. Have I said it right, Adam? Yes, all good. Yes. Yes. I need to give myself a round of applause if I had my sounds on. But Adam's here. Adam, tell me all about yourself, Adam, and how are you today? Uh, thanks a lot, Steve, for having me, and well done with the surname. Woo! <laughs> Yes. Yeah, my name's Adam. I'm a trade architect, but also a graphic designer. I've started doing bits in graphics a couple of years back. And last year, I decided to step it up a bit and try to offer my services. And I built my knowledge to some freelancers, to other architects, and yeah, everyone that's really interested in either visual identities or web design. Nice, nice. Now, so while i did graphic design in college you've caught the bug along the way of graphic design you're a trained architect but and we can talk about where we are where you are now but let's rewind the clocks a little bit mm. so tell me when did you start getting the bug for graphic design and when did you start getting interested in in, in that in part of your journey yeah sure i think maybe sort of towards end of high school i started looking a bit more into just um, album covers for like my favorite artists and just being absolutely amazed by, by how they all looked, their colors, their typography, so and all of that. But I think it wasn't until probably second year back at uni when I went to University of Sheffield for architecture. I joined Architecture Society back there and they were looking for a graphic designer to, to do some flyers and posters for the upcoming events. And yeah, this is how it all started. And it was obviously very much a trial and error and experimenting with things and working things out while still doing full-time degree. But it was just really good fun. And that almost, <laughs> it almost made me quit architecture. I was considering Ooh. for part two, going either architecture or mm. doing visual communications. But uh, I decided, okay, do you know what? I already started architecture. Let's, let's just carry on with that. 
And if anything, I could still do bits here and there later down the line. So yeah, then when I went for masters back to Sheffield as well, I did join the society again to do graphics. And so I, because at the time I was already a bit more mature in terms of what I was looking to get out of it. Yeah, I just kept doing that and then yeah, graduated and went full on architecture. It wasn't until actually the first lockdown because during that time, so that was yeah, March, 2020, I was on full low for two months, two and a half months. Yeah. And it wasn't until then I decided to get a course online that was all to do with creative coding or coding for designers specifically. Okay. And I did it for a month and a half. So most of my full low time and that sort of cemented like my interest and married a bit of what digital design and the web and all of that. And yeah, it's, yeah, it's been quite a journey, but yeah, I really enjoyed that. It's very interesting and we'll go into it. I'll give you a round of applause for sticking with architecture. <laughs> I think there's a dual aspect to it. It's really good that you mm. practice architecture, but also the graphic design is really interesting as well. The fact that you are an architect, I think it lends in both ways. And that, and I think that's why Absolutely. it will be really interesting to explore that relationship between both, because sometimes people think graphic design is very different to architecture, the two very different professions. But mm. like you say, in this modern digital world, everything kind of blurs, especially with websites, websites, in my opinion, like the business cards of 20 Absolutely. years ago. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. They, and on that note, I've got your website here, so I'm going to bring it up. Well, we may as well, right? It's a very visual thing we're talking about. Audio listeners on Spotify in the replay on this. I'm sorry, but you can check out this on this video <laughs> on YouTube as well. And I'm going to bring up Adam's website now, and we can talk about a few particular projects. But just before we do that, so we've got Sando, who's a little bit of a graphic designer himself, who's tuned in. So if you've got any questions for Adam who's doing it, just fire them away. But oh, it's always good to see that some people are still here and not down the pub on <laughs> yeah, a Friday. Absolutely. But yeah, here we go. So this is your website, right? You touched upon coding. I do a little bit of coding with the architecture social, a bit of CSS, a bit of functions, PHP and all that stuff. But tell me, so I've got a few projects here as well. So it's a really nice website. Now, Wellstone High Street, when we spoke before, is probably one of the projects that you found has been very hands-on, a very robust project. Do you want to walk us through this particular project in, in, in a bit more detail? Uh, yeah, ab absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. As I mentioned to you, that was probably the biggest project to date so far. Mm. It all started with my friend from Leverberst in Manny. So he's, he started a couple of years back and um, 3d printing pots, which is mm. a great little side hustle to have as a creative. And I was having him out at one of the market stalls and some other friends of his came by that were also architects, Fisher Cheng, and mm. we started chatting and I did mention that I also do graphics. I've done Manny's business cards and they're like, oh, would you like to collaborate at some point? So I was like, absolutely. That'd be fantastic. Mm -hmm. And we started chatting and we went to, we went for a bit together, them as architects and myself as a graphic designer for the bit and we won. And, oh, and that cool. was August, August last year. And yeah, it was yeah phenomenal opportunity, but also quite a big chunk of work to develop 
especially yeah, if you are freelance and you still work full-time job anyway. <laughs> but yeah, the bid asked to design a new visual identity for the high street, for Wilston High Street in West London, as well as develop the website for it, which will act as a directory of the businesses and events. And uh, yeah, the website is going to be live in the next two or three weeks, I believe. Ooh. So it's, it's, it's almost there. It's just, just fine, final touches, really. But yeah, it's been a great journey to work with the Traders Association in Wilston, but also with the local castle there. But yeah, it's, it's been yeah, just a really good project and really rewarding. Nice. I, I'm always quite impressed. And I do think that what's really interesting about this part is it's not even just the website. Like here, we were seeing the images the kind of the graphic design on the street in the urban fabric. And it bridges that feeling over. So I quite like seeing that happen in, in, in person. So this is a real image then, not a mock-up. Is that right, Adam? It's a mock-up still. Oh, it's a very convincing mock-up. Yeah. That's what it's going to be like then on the street, is it? Exactly. With all the graphic design. Yeah, that fooled me, that did. Great, that's good. It's The whole graphic, it was inspired by one of the murals in Wilston by Yinka Lori. And then the other part was inspired by the hatchet awnings. So that sort of extent over the shops. So yeah, just I think that's just a very interesting so of co correlation with architecture, because in school or in like at uni, we are taught to take as much inspiration from the context and try to make it as relevant to its immediate surroundings, either it's a, if it's a building or some kind of installation. And it's a very similar approach I tried to, I tried to get here with Wilson, where it also began with looking into the history of the place and what kind of little clues I could sneak into the actual graphical representation of the place. Yeah. Back in the 50s and 60s, Wilson was heavily promoted as part of London suburb, suburbs, the suburbia. And there was those magazines and leaflets called Metroland. And those were yeah done back in the 50s and 60s. And I just started looking into the typefaces that, would, that were used back in the 50s and 60s. But also the Metroland, the name itself of the magazine, it was spelled with Metro hyphen land. So right. the Wilston High Street has got this elongated hyphen in between the words that references the Metroland magazines. So again, it's just because I've got that training as an architect, just looking into the context and looking into the history of the places, that's where this sort of sensitivity comes to play and i think nice. that's just yeah really useful yeah i agree i think it adds uh, a sense of purpose and that sense of narrative to what you do so all those years in architecture you still practice but what i mean yeah. is that it's nice to see it come into play in a different form as well absolutely absolutely you, yeah you touched upon something earlier which i'm passionate about and i think it's going to be more and more of a common occurrence which is needed which is you learn to program okay now i don't know about you i've done a similar thing with the architecture social website where it'll get to a point and i'm thinking i have to start learning something mm. and at first i don't know about you adam but i felt very overwhelmed doing it you're like oh my gosh there's so much going on what what's your views first of all on 
learning how to program as an architect or graphic designer? And secondly, how did you push past that initial barrier doing it? Yeah, it's, uh, I'm completely with you. A second, it's been quite overwhelming at first, just yeah. seeing it's a lit literally learning a different language, but you don't really have much point of reference. So yeah, it's been, it's been challenging and it, yeah, I, it generally, I generally think if it wasn't for full low, I'm not sure if I would be in a place I'm at right now Correct, because yeah. it, we were sort of all confined to our spaces, the homes or wherever we were renting. And because there was in a way, not much else to do. I could be like, okay, I could spend however much time I need to spend to actually yeah. get it. And yeah, I just, just push through that initial horror. Be like, I don't know how to even it's painful. Begin. Yeah. Very yeah. painful. Yeah. You did it. And I'm just doing a little bit of eye candy here because I love a little bit of your web design. Offslight Studios website, I looked at it earlier. Let me see if I can find it again, Offlight Studio. And I was just enjoying, I was enjoying your little splash page with the light moving. Mm. That's very cool. I can see where that came from. But so is this a typical thing that you do then, Adam? You would do a client's website, you look at, as well as we talked about the street earlier, is a website and coding is something that you focus on as well then is it yeah it's with my clients it's usually quite an even split some of them would go just for a visual identity some of them would go for both or some of them would go just for the website so funny enough we i'm currently working again with alex from offlight on the updates on the to the websites yeah new things on the way i'll say but yeah, it's, yeah, again, similar thing with uh, Wilson High Street. Each person that approaches me, of course, it, it is different. So I do try to tailor that and find something that's unique about them and how we could translate that into something that could be like with Alex's website, a bit more interactive, where the gradients, where we talk about light, the visuals, the, the imagery itself, how we could get that the atmosphere of light or how we perceive it into the website itself. Very cool. For someone like me who has a short attention span, I can just do this all day. You know, Absolutely. I, think. I, I think it, <laughs> it's, it's the subtle little things, but it's so important. And what I've learned as well, because the architecture social is a bit of a beast website, because partly it's a directory. So it's got behind the scenes, all this stuff. Mm. And I do think while I'm not a professional graphic designer, having done graphic design, even at college or even for uni, I always working it in the portfolio. I think it's a really useful skill. What I was gonna say is that if your work in particular, I do like your taste. Okay, I like your taste in graphic design. I like your taste on, on, on approach. But, and tell me if you think this is right or wrong. My understanding though, is it takes a lot of time building in that taste. And if I look back at that project I did during my part one, where at the time I thought it was super cool. We're using certain fonts. I look back and I'm like, yeah. oh, that's terrible. But what would you say to anyone that's trying to experiment with graphic design and building up their taste profile? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I, when I look at some of my little projects from back in the days, there were, I had the obsession with white space. I was just like, mm. I'm going to make it super minimal, but it was on the verge of not doing much really. <laughs> yeah. I, I, as you said, our tastes do develop it, like in time. So I'm pretty sure what I've been doing now 
it's definitely of me as a person at the moment, but it's not to say that in five years or maybe even like in six months, there will be something else, something new that will catch my attention. I would like to explore a bit more in terms yeah. of the, either the web design or the actual identities and graphics. So yeah, it is ever evolving. Absolutely. And I, I've, I, it's so, yeah, so confidential. I've got like a client, architectural client that I work with now, and I've been doing illustrations for them, which I, I wouldn't oh, have wow. thought I would be doing that, but that was part of the commission. And I found it, yeah, again, quite challenging at first, but very rewarding in the end. Yeah, fair enough. Wow, that's another level. I tell you what, though, my sketches were never great back then, Adam, and they'd be worse now because <laughs> I haven't sketched for years. But that's quite nice, isn't it? Bringing it back to the pen or pencil yeah, as yeah, well. Yeah. Back to the drawing board because I always think, especially with chat gpt and all this stuff going on right now that's amazing mm -hmm. but one of the recent exhibitions i saw mo actually at the other day was was an exhibition where the author was looking at old meets new mm -hmm. the pen versus the code was oh, it the one at ra yes yes yeah. exactly that's a little bit of ai but we'll keep the ai in the ai box for today because <laughs> yeah. graphic design is a big enough space as well mm. so where I'm fascinated as well, Adam, now is that you're doing this, your passion project, and you touched upon it briefly, that you do this currently outside of the practice of architecture where you are. And one, it's great that this is starting to evolve, but tell me about your current practice as well. Do you think that sometimes the work you do in graphic design helps the way you look at architecture and equally do you think it's still important that you practice architecture to have that eye when you do graphic design i think i go quite lucky that where i'm at now at rcka people are well aware that i do i do graphics and i do web design as a free freelancer and in in practice people would come up to me and ask what do you think of this layer would you improve anything in the on the spread and it's quite quite building, quite uh, fulfilling that I must get to have a say in, in that matter. Yeah. But equally, we, we are looking to outsource the design for RCK as well. And I've been looking with, with one of the directors, with Russell, into the designers and other architects' websites. And that's been a great process to be involved in. Yeah, I can imagine it's quite handy for them as well to have someone like yourself with that eye because in architecture there's lots of different variations in architects isn't there there's technical architects front-end architects visual architects and i think that the fact that you're you've got an eye for this stuff really helps and especially like you said when it comes to the website you're going to pull you in aren't you i would if you were working on my yeah, team i'd be, exactly, I'd be yeah. like <laughs> i would be like I, i'll do my best just to dip in yeah Exactly. Fair enough. I'm really glad to hear that. That's very interesting. So what I would love to pick your brains on as well. So going back to what you do, your passion. So, you met, so we talked briefly about web design I and we talked about coding. Now, web design as a platform, I think is constantly changing. So you will laugh at him. I got into it with WordPress. A lot of websites are WordPress. Mm. A lot of the social is WordPress with highly customized plugins where I've been for that mm. process of paying 
coders and all this stuff. But we're entering a modern world. I've seen Webflow. I've seen certain things as well. Now, if someone, if some, maybe someone has a practice today, obviously it would be good if they call you up and pick your brains and Adam's oh, details are all here. But what is your advice to maybe a smaller architectural practice which wants to get a fresh look at things just enough before they, they bring someone in as well? Do you have any advice for like modern platforms at the moment are looking at things like Webflow as opposed to WordPress mm -hmm. and stuff like that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think people gravitate towards WordPress because it's quite a familiar um, format. It's been yeah. around for quite, quite some time. And as you said, you can truly customize it and get the best out of your work, whatever it is. I've seen uh, multiple websites built on Squarespace, on Cargo Collective, on Wix, and as you said, web, Webflow as well. And it's interesting to see more and more all the sort of platforms that try to set the idea, oh, you can do a website without coding. Whereas the coding is still there, it's just hidden behind like the squares and circles and all of that. Like I, I know I saw on Instagram, there's this platform being heavily advertised currently called ReadyMag. And it is quite interesting because you can get really interesting sort of scroll animations that don't yeah. really seem to slow down the websites that much. And it's, they say it's built without code or you can do the website with all the coding, but then yeah, the coding still happens, just not really accessible to you. So I think, yeah, there's just pros and cons. But with the websites I, I work on, I tend to recommend Cargo to my clients, especially if maybe they're more on the creative side, because with Cargo Collective, there's quite a few really nicely done templates to begin with. And then I can just then customize it because the HTML and CSS editors that are built within the uh, within cargo they're just really intuitive and quite easy to make edits to yeah so yeah i would say it personally it will be the cargo or squarespace for those the only thing with sometimes with squarespace the website could start look quite generic as in quite a lot of them just start looking they have the same sort of elements that have yeah. been changed and it, you can it gets quite formulaic when you look at different websites and they follow the same patterns and we had this kind of conversation at RCK with Russell where, you know, you, you enter quite a few of those websites of, of architects and you all use those sort of three by three grids of projects. And yeah, it's just quite, mm. it, it starts to look quite samey. And it does. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the pros and cons of template, but I think as a small business, like you said, if you jump in, that makes sense. But actually the other bit I'd like to highlight is that half of it as well is graphic design i think and it is layering that up and like you said that little bit of cs and it's little bits of stuff because even i you will laugh two weeks ago i was programming the scroll bar on the architecture social because yeah. i was like it's such a ugly scroll bar and then i was like can we change that and you mm. can so i was playing around with that and even things like on webs websites so i'll go quickly then my website really quickly is that when you highlight text it's all that like ugly blue and mm -hmm. i was just like I don't want that, so I just changed it to yellow. And this is little bits Absolutely. that I think really help and just make things pop, make things original. Yeah. Focus back on you because I'm more interested in your stuff. No, no, no. But it's all these little things, isn't it? And this time and their dedication and craft. And I think that 
you touched upon it, but I wouldn't necessarily, Wix wouldn't be my first choice or Squarespace. I know, mm. sorry for YouTube, Squarespace, if you want to sponsor me one day, I will remove <laughs> this from the video. But until then, I think they're fine on small projects. Where it gets tricky is when the company gets bigger, you have lots of different projects mm -hmm. and pages. That initial infrastructure is really key. And like you touched upon earlier, web design is a weird one because you've got to have the speed there because otherwise Google penalizes it a bit slow. It's got, to, it's got to be fast. And you've got to have the SEO, which is bizarre. It's always nice having a nice website, but how can people find you and doing all that boring stuff Absolutely. really... And I just really wanted to touch upon that when you mentioned about the graphics and those little moments. Like I, I remember spending almost too much time making sure that when you highlight projects on my website, the transition between the links is half a half a second. So the pink appears with the yeah, half a second nice. transition and instead of as you said, the standard hyperlink blue because it's, it's just not blue. Nice. It's programmed yeah. into our brain as like ugly website internet yeah. explorer blue, yeah. isn't it? Exactly. Very cool. But yeah, it's just, yeah, it's similar thing with the little pop-ups of the snippets of the projects. I think it just helps to get a bit of an understanding of what the project might be about. And I think it's just quite a useful tool to highlight. So yeah, no, I just wanted to mention that. No, very cool. We actually had a question come in, Adam, which is a nice question. Because you've we touched upon earlier at the start of your journey. But Katie is saying, do you have any advice for recent graduates that haven't studied architecture, but are looking to get in the industry experience in architectural illustration or design? Ooh. It's a really good question. Thanks, Katie. I think it will be definitely useful to look at some of those designers or illustrators that have maybe that architectural background, but now switched to illustration. My friend, my friend from uni, from back from Sheffield, Catherine, she did architecture with me, but I think, I believe a year and a half ago, she switched to do draft architectural illustrations. So I would definitely recommend looking at some of her stuff because you can just get a grasp of how things come together or what elements are highlighted or whatnot. Architecture degree could help with getting maybe a sense of how thick the walls are, the roof and space in general, but that could also be relent within your own research when you yeah look how those illustrators work within yeah with the sort of either digital or paper medium which is two-dimensional and how do they represent something that's more 3d dimensional so yeah it's just quite interesting because it's been quite a shift where architecture is no longer just this one thing people do i have lots of friends now that sort of started doing little bits here and there I mentioned, yeah, Catherine doing illustrations, and my friend Manny 3D printing pots, and um, same thing, my, my other friend Kimbo doing photography of buildings. And so it's been just quite an interesting shift in the perception that, yeah, you, you went to uni, great, fine, but then what can we do with that degree? What, what have we learned um, along the way? So... Yeah. yeah, I agree. And just to add to your answer, the key, which was great. It is interesting because say now you don't study architecture. I think you can still offer a lot of value to the architecture industry. I think though, part of it is understanding that process and understanding Absolutely. how the architects brain works and so on and so forth. And I think that it could, while I do a lot more recruitment, I so partly what I do now is share a little bit of my experience to 
people who are job seeking about what architecture practices are looking, that kind of comes from being in the industry. It's advantageous, but you can also get that by going to the practices, learning and speaking to architects and immersing yourself in that world. And I think, Adam, you've got to be, if for instance, you want to be the graphic designer or you want to be the architectural illustration person for architecture, yes, having the skill set is important, but immersing yourself in the industry is the next big key thing. Learning about projects, learning about what's going on. If you still don't really understand architecture and you're not in that world, it's not going to be that appealing then when you speak to an architect, right? Because you're not really speaking my language. Mm. So that's what I always think is get immersed in there. Absolutely. Similar thing with another architect. I know like we work together at Leather Bernstein, so my previous practice, and she's now a full-time artist, Hannah Benihood. And it's just been really interesting to hear her journey of she's full-time artist right now, but it's just be it's because she did practice as an architect. She can, she has some kind of advantage when, and say, bidding for work because she's out there of the planning, the requirements, or essentially how we have, the whole planning works in general. So I think, yeah, it's just quite interesting to hear all those different journeys. As you said, the more immersed you are and the better understanding you have of the processes, all the better. Yeah, I agree. I'm going to, do you know what though? I will look back in your website in one minute, but we've got so many questions that come in. This is like the easiest podcast for me because I'm on autopilot. <laughs> So Bilal asks, and it could be interesting because I'm not sure this question could be taken in a few ways, but mm -hmm. Bilal says, do you use any user data when def designing interfaces? So I'm guessing, Adam, mm -hmm. that's like the process. You sit down with the architect, you take that information. Do you have any insight for Bilal on, on that kind of stuff? Sure. Essentially, before I start with any sort of design exercises, the first thing I do is uh, I conduct like a little research questionnaire. Essentially, I try to find out as much as possible about either the business or the product that person is working on and all of that. And I just try to get, yeah, get those glimpses of their context. It all comes yeah. back to context, really. <laughs> context of a person and how I could relate that into, the, into graphics. Recently, yeah. I've done a and visual identity and a website for a podiatrist in in London and for Tracy and her background is she's she's got Irish heritage so for instance within her identity we're using the Irish green as one of one of the one of the colors it's just about having those little moments that refer back to the person and similarly the logo mark Tracy Barn she we chose it and we customized it because it reminded her of her handwriting. So it's just, yeah, those, I think those are two clues I definitely do take into account when designing either visual identity mm -hmm. or websites. So very, I cool. think they're important and they actually make the project. I like that. So it's like your architectural approach, not even just for architects and podiatry is quite far away, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah. Very cool. There we go. So I think you answered that perfectly. I. I Bilal, you do not want to learn from me on that because I have a terrible approach, Adam. If I put the website up and then when things <laughs> don't work, I get messages coming in. I can't access this. And I'm like, oh, 
So you probably should do it your meticulous way of taking the information first, then launching something appropriate rather than- Baby steps, maybe steps, maybe steps, yeah. Yeah, don't do it like me with bullying the China shop. So <laughs> thanks, Bilal, for the question. That's great. Sonda asks a question. Adam, Sonda says, I did graphic design before I went into architecture. Okay, cool. And it helps a lot in understanding layout, laying out a presentation. Yeah. What advice would you give in terms of marketing work? Okay. I also, I just love the fact that it's all the way around almost. Uh, it was graphics first and architecture later. Yeah, that is interesting, isn't it? Mark, that, this is an interesting question because like marketing to me is, I have, I think everyone in architecture by default does marketing. We, mm. all, we market our own personal brand, but in an architectural practice, marketing what would that entail in your experience adam is it the website is it planning submission like designing access statements is it competition bins so mm. first of all like what is marketing work and then do you have any insights on how to make it i don't know a bit more sexy or eye appealing yeah <laughs> i feel like i'm still learning how to market my own work to be honest because at the moment it's yeah it's very good to have a website because as you said it's in a way your business cards and I, I at the moment it's very much talking to people at least in my case I went to the networking event a couple of weeks ago and I got chatting with a guy that works in a planning consultancy and he just met without me even talking about graphics he mentioned oh I started doing this poetry writing poetry in lockdown and I put it on a sort of very ad hoc website but I'm still thinking how to do it I'm, I'm, I was like you just served it on a plate I was like I actually do graphics I was yeah. that and that was it and equally when I went to a couple of other events at LSA like last month I think again I simply emailed some of the speakers that I found particularly interesting just to talk about Hey, I also work within creative industry. This is what I do. Would you be interested in collaborating in the coming months? And both of them, both of the speakers replied. So I think, especially if you're yet smaller, as in, so I say, a solo freelancer, I think it does add to you that you reach out to people and you try to put a face to a name, essentially, because obviously the bigger you are, the name speaks for itself really yeah so yeah that's that those are my initial thoughts i'll say yeah very cool i agree and like i i think like a brand can change and evolve like architecture social as a brand can change and evolve but half of it is being out there and i think it's time and trust and all that stuff as well uh, that i think it, it it comes but i'm quite okay with it changing is what i'm saying you want to stick to your core values but it's quite all right to have a little facelift every now and then i'm always looking to optimize it sonda says wow okay networking and reaching out amazing fancy adam so there you go thank you oh i've got one last question before then maybe we can talk about rca for a little bit and then you can ask me questions as well so bill the data guy and bill says mm -hmm. how do you know 
if it's bad web design or bad product service that has been sold by the company, is there any analytics to use to determine where the fault could probably lie? Oh, I've got an, a, a quick answer to this and then Go you can jump it. in and add them as yeah. well. So there's loads of these tools behind the scenes, especially when it comes to web design called like Hotjar. There's one that Microsoft does for free. I forget the name, but, it, but basically, if you could, as long as it's in the actual terms of the website and you put everything there, you're allowed to see how people behave on your website. And Hotjar is one tool where you then can start seeing where people click and not, mm -hmm. and what's called an abandoned click. So on the architecture social, I haven't done it for a long while, but say now I've got an assignment, I'm thinking people aren't applying for jobs in this particular area. I can go in the back end, I can see how long people are on the page and when they leave, and sometimes it's funny, there's like a there's a category called anger clicks when people click and then they go. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, it's called something like frustration or whatever. Luckily, my quote for that's very low, but that kind of data I use Bilal to optimize the architecture social. Have you thought, Adam, about this or have you seen, have you had to adjust websites based on people's feedback mm. or different devices or stuff like that? Yeah, I haven't had a chance to implement it on my website or the websites I do for my clients. But I do remember I did have insights at how Leather Benson's website worked. And as you said, it's just very interesting to see how much time people actually spend on the website or what are the initial um, pages or menus they, they click. And what was really interesting to see was that when people enter the website, they say scroll for the first couple of seconds to see what the website, what the, sorry, not the website, what the practice is all about. The next thing they do, they go to people because they just want to see who works there, just yeah, to see right. essentially partially probably the representation, but also how the people are presented or are they presented. There's quite a few websites where, for instance, practices don't really include photos of the staff. It's just names, if any. Sometimes it's just the directors and the team is not really mentioned. And that says a lot about the practice because you can then almost get a sense that they might not be really that uh, human-centered or they know maybe as mm -hmm. about staff in general. Yeah, so that's where it's just, yeah, quite interesting to see that this sort of behaviors, they very much, yeah, get a great sort of ideas into what you might change on the website. I, I do remember that after looking with, with Rachel at the time at Levitt into the back end of the website, uh, we were talking like, oh, maybe we should maybe market the bigger projects a bit more so people actually click in go into that rather than straight to people so yeah you, there's a lot there's a lot of work you can do once you have the data and react accordingly depending yeah. on what you want to achieve really yeah said and for anyone that's shocked about that it's actually incredibly it's basically standard practice on websites that people look at this information, whether it's Google Analytics and so on mm -hmm. and so forth. There are restrictions, so don't worry. I don't know where you are or what your name is or anything, but I just know that a person went on and a person clicked off at certain periods of time. So that, that information is a feedback loop, isn't it? And then you have to adjust and move on from that and change the design. The last point I want to add on to it before I ask about RCKA is I think graphic design, web design is an iterative 
iterative process. It's just the next version. It's in my experience, it's never done. I think it's quite foolish to think a website's done. It constantly mm -hmm. needs updating. Blogs are so important. Keeping that engagement, like you say, with the community. I think that you get and you and also like we touched upon earlier, it's important to update and change certain bits of the brand or the Absolutely. It's going. a very much a live thing, live within the digital realm in a way. But yeah, it's very, I should say, very much ever changing. And I don't think it should be just constrained to the sort of solid and state that's just one and that's done. So I think it's absolutely fine to, to tweak it and see what works better at the time. Absolutely. Yeah. I agree. And if you're the website owner out here that's thinking, oh, I've got a five-year-old website, I really need to update it. Yes, you do. I think it's super, super important and mm. that you should do it. And you could probably win a lot more work from updating it. And especially, I know it's really boring, but doing that SEO is a big deal. Now, Adam, before you answer any questions with me, I'm going to bring up RCK. RCKA once again. Now, I interviewed there as a part one and Russell and Tim were very nice to me. What's it like now though, 10 years later as a practice? Yeah, so right now we are just above 20 odd people. So Oof. yeah, the practice did grow quite a bit. And yeah, I think the projects got quite big too, quite substantial. The one I'm currently working on is the one you've just brought up, Birmingham, oh. Smithfield. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, so I'm like a the... mind reader. I'm doing okay Absolutely, today. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we're just doing some changes to the planning for this one, and it's it is one of the biggest master plan projects in Birmingham and RCKA. We are doing one of the plots, plot four A one exactly, and there's been quite a few other architects involved within the master plan, like Dira DRMM and David Kahn and and other smaller practices from Birmingham like Initiative Architecture. Oh wow! Yeah, it's been really interesting as a project and just seeing how things work and. Yeah, work with, working with Lendis as well has been quite a journey as well. Oh, nice. And hey, I know you're updating the website. It looks pretty good. Before we move on, though, can I just say, I love this bold red going up. Oof, very sexy, very cool yeah. stuff. There was a reason I applied there, but also Russell, since I'm not doing architecture anymore, you made the <laughs> right call. Russell wrote me very nice feedback, which was really helpful. So shout out to RCKA. And people should check out their work. And they can see you on there as well, because you are on the page. You are number one. Your name does begin with A, but help. I'm sure the you're number helps, one as yeah. well. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Brilliant. So I always like to kind of wind it down with a few questions, because it's not that fair that I answer you all. I throw all the questions out. So before we kind of let everyone know where you are, do you have maybe one or two questions that you want to ping across to me? Yeah, I, I think I would be quite interested to hear about your journey with, in terms of the graphics and how did you find setting up architecture social with the identity and the website and all of that? Yeah, I mean, I think there's a term for it, which is called like skill stacking. And I mm -hmm. think that actually 
my my interest in graphic design has always been useful it's always been a great skill okay it doesn't directly go into recruitment but running a business it's so useful it's so nice that i can know a little bit about it and, and as architects when we're in part one and part two, we're doing the Adobe, we're doing the Illustrator, InDesign. Mm-hmm. I love InDesign. I still use InDesign. If anyone doesn't use InDesign, I'm like, why are you not an InDesign? I, I say that. In first year in uni, I did everything on Photoshop and I quickly moved to InDesign. But where I'm going with this is like all these fundamentals are super useful. And actually studying graphic design has been useful. I do have those cringe moments where I look back and the architecture social is far from perfect. That being said though, it got me by doing graphic design, it helped me enough. And to go to the point we touched upon earlier, I think that having some basic level of programming skills has been amazing. And also it protects you from being taken the, I was going to swear then, but I can't do that on here, but you don't <laughs> want to, you don't want to get abused by, I think it helps if you know how to program a bit because you're not too overwhelmed. You might go, oh my gosh, that's too much for me. Mm. But you can jump in and out on the CSS and all this stuff and you can start to understand what a plugin is or whatever's needed so that's that a- you aren't like, sold the dream for 20 grand which is really basic because that's the scary bit about web design is that it can be a bit like going taking your car into an engineer and they're like oh yeah something's wrong with the futon or whatever and you're like i've no idea i hope i trust you and so i think a little bit of skill a little bit of knowledge in that world really is useful and like you said, I think like stuff like cargo, squares, but if your small practice is really useful, uh, understanding a little bit more of it when the business evolves, then it's quite nice that you can then tap into those skill sets. So mm. it's been really important for me. The best thing I ever did was do graphic design at college. So I am a big fan of it. And actually, we all do it as well. If you've basically pinned up your work, in architecture, it, there is graphic design. It's a communication, mm-hmm. it's, it's a skill. You have to be able to translate your project on the paper and get it across. And actually the last thing I would argue is that everyone does graphic design on their CV and portfolio when Big you're going time. in between jobs and it can make such a difference. And there is an art form like in graphic design communication that, hey, if you're applying to a practice, let's say now I want to apply to RCKA, okay? I go on their website, I'm getting a feel of it, okay? Like how the website's here, what's the graphical languages, look at this beautiful work, look at how the website's constructed. Mm. And if you're smart, you can tap in a little bit to that. And when you're doing the portfolio, I might have that white background and I might start taking essences from the color combinations or whatever. And then Mm -hmm. suddenly you send through this CV and portfolio, which is your style, but also that when the people open up this CV portfolio, they're like, wow, look at this application from Joe Bloggs or Jane Doe. She looks amazing. She could be one of us. Look at this portfolio. Mm-hmm. And then you get in the interview. And that's why I think graphic design is one of the most important things which isn't talked about in Absolutely. architecture. Yeah. Absolutely, I agree. And it's interesting, as you said, even from the very beginning, when you do the layouts, when you pin up the work, like you have to lay out. And as Machuto used to say, don't be afraid of white space. You don't need to 
do everything for bleeds, you can make it smaller, which might be as impactful or maybe even more. And yeah, yeah it's yeah. I would also argue that you could definitely wear a tunie or like doing your own research. Just take time with things. So like, don't be impatient. Obviously, easier said than done. But I think so. Sometimes those skills to develop they simply take time. I just I remember first year of uni when I opened Photoshop for the first time. I closed it immediately because. It was just overwhelming seeing yeah. the plethora of different tools and things I acquired just, but again, I didn't really know what I could do. Those tools are going to enable you later down the line, but it just takes time to develop what you really want to do. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. I agree. The last bit I would add to it, a little bit of inspiration for anyone out there. Like I wasn't good at always graphic design and I'm still learning. And that's why they call it practicing architecture, isn't it? Because you never, you never, there's no top level. Congratulations, you've won. You're always practicing architecture. And I think graphic design is a skill and it keeps evolving. But also I think it's such a supportive skill. And that's the key thing. Of course, I don't know, with what you're doing, where you go and you specifically help people's business, you know, that's a primary use of what you're doing. Mm. But what I'm saying is, if you're an architect, it's still a very amazing supporting secondary skill to your architecture because it just strengthens everything. Don't get me wrong, though, if you have a project which is a little bit of an ugly project or whatever, all the best graphic design in the world isn't going to change from the project, but equally... You don't want to have an amazing project with this kind of, oh, people go on the mm-hmm. website, they can't find out where they're going or the colors or whatever and all this stuff. It's a combination. So one mm-hmm. relies on the other. Here we go. Sonda, last thing says, I give this advice to young part ones to have in design on their mm. CVs. It's a must have. And then... Musa must have done some emoji or something on YouTube that I have no idea how to show up here. Most so, likely, yeah. Yeah, so I'm hopeful that's a good one, not a bad one, because yeah. I don't want to get in trouble on LinkedIn or whatever. But brilliant. That's... This has been great. Adam, where can people contact you if they want to get in touch? On the, I'm easily accessible either on Instagram, so it's Adam underscore Tarasevich. On my website as well, there's plenty of info um, and contact details. Similarly with my email, adamterrasevage at outlook.com. And yeah, always happy to chat with prospective clients, collaborators, and see what we can do together in terms of illustration, graphics, layout, design, and as well as web design, which is becoming the dominant strand of my work. It is very important in this world where, again, a business card is a a website, one and the same in this modern world. But Mm. thank you so much, Adam. I can't wait to see all the exciting projects. And maybe you can come on here in the future and we can pick this up again. But until then, everyone, thank you for joining in on Friday. And do follow Adam's work. He's also on Instagram and Twitter. We're all out there. But thank you for tuning in. I'm going to end the live stream in a second. I have more content coming next week. I've just got to schedule it. I'm behind, as Adam knows. I'm feeling trying to, I need to get more organized. I need to outsource. I need to get more competent freelancers. Maybe I need to get a bit of graphic design at some point. 
But more stuff coming soon. I'm going to go on the live stream. Adam, stay on the stage. Don't go anywhere just yet. But bye-bye, everyone. And yes, last thing, if you've got any suggestions for upcoming content or cool things that you would think you'd like to see on the Architecture Social podcast, drop me a message. And last thing, I put out something for freelancers last week talking about writing and journalism. If I haven't got back to you, I apologize. I got something like 200 messages, so I will send everyone a message very soon. Thank you all. Speak to you soon. Take care. Thank you. Bye.